What's up, everybody? It's your host of Hoagie's Huddle, Hunter here, coming at you live with the hottest takes in the Minnesota sports world. I'm recording this Thursday, April 5th, during the Minnesota Twins game, and prior to the Timberwolves game tonight, I wanted to give myself a chance to catch both of those and get this in before then. Today and going forward, I am going to avoid the recap of this past week that I have been doing in the past. I feel as listeners that if you guys are listening to this podcast, you are well aware of what is currently going on with the team and how they are doing. If you guys would like me to add that in and continue to do what I've been doing, I will do so. But going forward, I am going to drop that part, specifically just their numbers and what game and what date and whatnot. Um, It just got a little bit repetitive, and I think it'd be best going forward to remove that from the podcast. Next, I just want to remind you guys about my Twitter page, at Hoagies Huddle on Twitter. been putting out some polls, trying to get a little more interactive with you guys. If you could get at me on there. I put out a tweet asking for some questions for today. Got some responses. Appreciate that. Would love to get more. Still getting a few every time. Would love to uh, have a plenty of questions to answer for you guys and could spend a good amount of time doing so. Again, that's at Hoagies Huddle on Twitter. Woofta! It's baseball season, folks. I haven't been able to talk to you guys since the start of the 2018 MLB season. Here in Minnesota, it sure does not feel like it. I know those six inches of snow we've got this week definitely did not make it feel like it, but the Twins are out playing today on this beautiful 40-degree day. I had tickets to this game and decided I would rather watch it from my home and get this podcast done instead. I will be making it down to quite a few Twins games, and I will be doing a few ticket giveaways to Twins games this year for listeners and followers of the page. Appreciate you guys a lot and would like to do some things to get back get back to you guys and, and all your support. And like I said, once I clip that 100 follower mark on Twitter, I will be giving out a Kirk Cousins t-shirt jersey. Or screw it, if you aren't a huge fan of Kirk and would like prefer someone else, we'll just get you a t-shirt jersey. And right into the news and notes, I'm going to do my best to keep these brief, about 30 minutes for you guys from here on out. I want to keep this nice, sweet, simple, and give you some of my opinion on the Minnesota sports market. Starting with the Gophers bringing in Bob Motzka, the new Gopher hockey coach. Phenomenal hire. Really happy with it. I did not think they'd be able to pull this off, but money talks at the end of the day. Um, a few things I wanted to mention about this last year's team that I haven't on previous podcasts that I do want to defend Don a little bit for. 23 out of our 38 teams this year were against teams in the final 16. We missed the tourney, guys, by a thousandth of a percentage point. I hope you guys understand how minuscule that really is. That I mean, it, you go back to that doubleheader in Michigan where we blew a four-goal lead and ended up tying them. There's a point loss there. One singular point, and, and, and that goes back to the emphasis. Every single game matters. Every day, everything matters in, in, in sports, and this is going to show. And, and we're in the same circumstances with the Timberwolves. Sorry to get off topic, but the Timberwolves in the playoff race right now. I'm sure you guys are well aware of the of the Western Conference playoff race. And, I mean, these dumb games we blew early in the season against Detroit against all the games we lost against Phoenix. I mean, these are the games that are just absolutely vital and crucial at the end of the season. And this is why Golden State and Houston don't even care what happens in the next five games because, or the four games, excuse me, because it doesn't, they took care of business when it mattered at the beginning of the season. They took care of things and they handled things. And and this is why the Gopher hockey team, unfortunately, did not make the playoffs this year. And I'm not saying that in a chirping sense. I'm just saying that to emphasize how close they really were. This team was a lot closer than people think. And although... It wasn't up and down season. I mean, they were right there with the best teams in the country. They beat quite a few of them. 
and I think they could have made a run at the NCAA tournament. It's too bad they didn't get their shot. I did just want to give a little props to Don Lucia for his 19 years here in Minnesota. I think he's done a phenomenal job. He was ripped apart in media the last few years, and for some reasons I get it, but at the same time, guys, he's the all-time winningest coach in Minnesota hockey history. And what you guys don't understand this guy did is off the, off the rink, academically, what the Gopher Hockey men's hockey team did was so incredibly impressive to me. And, and, and that stuff matters just as much as all the guys they got to the NHL and how many titles they won. And that's the thing. At the end of the day, the Gopher Hockey team has been incredibly successful at turning young men into great young leaders after college and going into the NHL. And we've seen the results. It's proven. Don, thank you. For your 19 years, it was an absolutely awesome ride, although it did not end as we hoped. You stepping down was a class act move, and I believe the Gophers hockey program is in phenomenal hands going forward. I just wanted to put that out there. I feel like Don took way too much heat in the so, the local media, and yes, I get he was doing some things that I don't agree with recruiting 14- and 13-year-olds rather than juniors and fully developed players. There's some things I don't agree with completely, but at the end of the day, Don bled maroon and gold and had the best intentions for this program and he did a really good job and we won two titles he's all-time winningest coach in gopher hockey history i mean you guys have to put that into perspective at the end of the day and again i just want to put this out there thanks don for your 19 years that was it's been an incredible ride i'm really excited to see what bob does bob motzka going forward they're in phenomenal hands and i think the gopher hockey team will be successful for a long time coming and next in our Hoagies Huddle episode, we're going to be talking about the Vikings. Today's podcast is going to go way different than normal. Normally, I talk majority Vikings. Today's going to be probably minority Vikings. Going to keep it pretty short and brief as our two winter teams head into playoff time. The Minnesota Vikings this past week brought in wide receivers to various King and Kendall Wright. Kendall was a former first-round draft pick, played with Tennessee and Chicago, led the Bears last season. In receiving yards, he is in the slot 70% of the time, so that indicates clearly to us Vikings fans he will be our wide receiver three and play it in that slot role with Diggs and Thielen on the outside. He had the best catch rate in the NFL of any slot receiver last year. He is a consistent, reliable threat. He can play on the outside. Like I said, he played in slot 70% of the time. He does have the ability to move outside. And ultimately, why I absolutely love this signing for the Minnesota Vikings is at the end of the day, we took Jarius Wright, we replaced his contract with a cheaper, younger, and better version of him and a guy who can also play on the outside, and I think that is essential for the Vikings. We brought in Kendall Might for $1 million. That is an absolute steal. That guy should have been getting paid 3 to 5 most likely. And another thing I just wanted to mention is on big free agents that have came in, big-name free agents, Kendall Wright, Sheldon Richardson, Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are officially 3 for 3 on pitching. Big name free agents to come to Minnesota for this coming season, and a lot of that has to do with these incredible facilities and Egan folks. Every single guy that comes here mentions them. They are top of the line. They are the best in the NFL. No ifs, ands, or buts. And it is making it easier for the Vikings to bring in guys like this, especially guys like Kendall, who who want to win, and Sheldon as well. These are both prove it one year, prove it contracts to come here to to play great football. I think the results from it will show. I think next year is these guys are going to have monster years, both of them. A few other under-the-radar signings. I mentioned Tavarius King. We just signed him today on Thursday. He will be purely for depth. He has appeared in 17 career games, started in three of those, hasn't played, put up much numbers in any of those. He had a decent game in the playoffs last or two years back, excuse me, but 
he has not done much in his career. He is still young. He is going into his fifth season from Georgia. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Look for him to be like a fifth, sixth guy on the roster. He might not even make the roster, but it would be. I could see him being the last receiver to make the roster. These are the types of guys they're going to start to bring in to replace Laquan Treadwell, I believe. That's ultimately what my, my thought is. The Vikings also signed linebacker Richard Clyatt from the Houston Texans. Don't know much about him, to be honest with you guys. It's going to be a depth linebacker. He played a similar role to that of Anthony Barr in his defense in Houston. Uh, I believe he's brought in to be a backup and serve the same role that Emmanuel Lemur did, in, and we lost him this offseason as well. So I believe Richard was brought in to fill Emmanuel's spot on this team, purely a depth signing, and that goes for the same for Tom Compton, guard Tom Compton. Although he could be battling for a starting position with the retirement of Joe Berger, I do believe that Tom will end up being kind of our swing lineman, Rashad Hill type. Well, he will play all over. He can play guard and tackle. He is a Rosemount native, and he played the last season with the Chicago Bears, previously with the Falcons and the Redskins. He has a very close relationship with quarterback Kirk Cousins, and that was a big reason in coming to Minnesota. And last but not least, I'm doing kind of a news and notes dump today but the re-signing of Marcus Sherrill's just a depth signing. Obviously, you guys know he's been here for his whole career. Punt returner, kick returner, provides tremendous value at that. Got him for a good deal. Why not? It's good to bring the local Minnesota native back home again. And that will wrap up today's Minnesota Vikings segment on the Hoagie Huddle Podcast. Moving on to our Minnesota Twins. Just want to touch base on them quick as well. Not much. Don't want to go through what's happened so far this season. It's so early in the season and with 162 games. It is so much baseball left to be played, guys. It is going to be, it gets exhausting towards the end of the season, but we will stick through it. Brian Dozier is off to an incredible start. Same with Miguel Sano. He actually just put one out about five minutes ago as I am recording this, his third of the year. Brian Dozier has been hitting the cover off the ball. The whole lineup's been looking really, really good actually so far. A few things that I wanted to bring to your attention that have been of concern to me is, uh, Adrianza has been getting some time at shortstop, and I granted Escobar, Eduardo Escobar, is not a phenomenal defensive shortstop. I just want to throw out some numbers for you guys. In 77 MLB games, 56 starts for Adrianza at shortstop, he has 11 errors. That is unacceptable, guys, for a major league shortstop defensively, and we cannot have this guy be playing short for us on a consistent basis. It will cause problems. And we saw that today. A couple balls ate him up as well. Miguel has actually looked surprisingly. I was I had a whole pitch about how I was going to talk about how Miguel looks phenomenal physically, which he does. No questions denying. Nothing denying that. I was going to mention about how great his def- defense has been all year so far. In I mean, all year being six games. But he has looked phenomenal moving over there, making some great throws, making some great plays at the glove. And then he comes out today and makes a few throwing errors. Miguel, though, overall has looked good. His mobility looks better. He's got a cannon from third, and he has been solid at the third base position. He has not been a defensive liability so far, which is good. I have not heard much on Irvin Santana how he is doing. I will continue to keep you guys updated on the Twins injury front. We have stayed remotely healthy so far. Trevor May will be back in late May as planned when he gets off the DL, and I Hopefully the Twins can continue to hit the cover off the ball. They've been playing some good baseball. It's been fun to watch. The last few games, starting pitching has gotten off to a rough start. Ended up coming around, but the first innings, we've been giving up some big first innings, and those hurt any baseball team. Like I said, though, the Twins have been really fun to watch this year so far. 
and it will be exciting going forward. I'm not going to touch base on the Jose Barrios complete game and the bunt scandal. I think that's a load of BS, to be honest, that it's gotten taken this far. Unwritten rules of baseball and all that. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Moving on to our Minnesota Wild, our playoff-bound Minnesota Wild. Although playoff-bound, banged-up Minnesota Wild. Ryan Suter out for the year, obviously, as noted. Speaking of injuries, the Wild are optimistic that Spurgeon will be able to rejoin them in round one against Winnipeg, most likely. A few news and notes about the Wild I wanted to touch base on. Carson Soucy, man, did he look good. That could not have been a more solid debut overall. He's played some good hockey so far. Excited to see what he can do going forward, honestly. This could be a, a really nice addition for the Wild in the playoffs. Obviously, he is not Ryan Suter, but Carson Soucy, young. This guy could be something big for us, guys. And uh, honestly, with the way Doomba's playing too, this could really help the Wild make up for the loss of a guy like Suter. Speaking of defensemen, Matt Dumba has been playing incredible. He has 47 points this season, 13 goals. This is kind of his chance to really prove himself, honestly, to the Wild and why he deserves a big extension this offseason. Otherwise, I could very likely see them letting him walk. This is kind of his audition. Dumba has consistently, consistently, consistently been a defensive liability that cost the Wild countless amount of games over the past two years. This He has been playing solid on the defensive end and incredible on the offensive end. It would be nice to see if he can step it up and continue to play great for the playoffs. The pairing of him and Jonas Brodeen has been really solid so far, and I think Dumba can keep it going into the playoffs. We will need him to in order to compete with that Winnipeg team. A few other little things that I noticed about the Wild. Six games in a row without a point for Nino. Minus three plus minus. Come on, buddy. 18 and 12 this season. After a five-year, $26.25 million contract, that is unacceptable. And I understand he's still young, a lot of potential. I really like Nino, but he has really, really, really struggled this season. 12 out of his 30 points came within the first 20 games. He's had nine in the last 22 he is struggling big time. If we can get Nino hot for the playoffs, that would really help this team. But the Wild are limping into the playoffs and playing relatively sluggish compared to the Winnipeg team that's won four straight games. Another thing I did want to reflect on just overall my, uh, on the season is it's interesting to look back and reflect on the Pominville for Ennis trade. Ennis has just been irrelevant here, and it's just, I mean, their contracts are remotely similar. Pominville's a little older, but his production is considerably better than Ennis's and it's 8 12 minus 2 plus minus for the entire season for Ennis 8 goals 12 assists he hasn't scored a goal though in the last six weeks guys and he's had three assists in that six week period he just has not even been a remotely effective player for the Minnesota Wild and it really makes you question what was what was Flair and Fletcher thinking when when they let go of Pominville for Ennis that is just mind-boggling to me now looking back on it um, six straight appearances for the Wild in the playoffs. I do not like their chances in round one, but you never know in the playoffs. It's a whole different beast and a whole different level of hockey comes out. Winnipeg is fairly young. We do have experience being in six straight appearances, but we have not been very successful in those appearances. I do have some wild questions I'm going to touch base with in a little Q&A after this. The Minnesota Wild this season are 1-3 against the Winnipeg Jets and we're considerably outplayed in a few of those games. Winnipeg's just fast, young. They're good. They have three 30-goal scorers on their team. They are a solid hockey team, 
and they are not going to be a fun team to run into in round one. Do I think we could beat them? Potentially. Could I see us getting absolutely crushed by them, clobbered? Absolutely. Um, but it's the playoffs. Like I said, I, I'm just really curious what wild team is going to show up. It's been pretty inconsistent throughout this year, but I have faith in Bruce that he'll have these guys prepared for Winnipeg and to have a good series with them and potentially take a series from them. Last but not least, talking about playoff time, our Minnesota Timberwolves, 44-34. Four games left of the season. We got Denver tonight. Los Angeles, Memphis, and Denver left remaining on the schedule. Tonight against Denver, Jimmy and Teague. I'm talking about this game tonight coming up. Even though when you guys listen to this, this game will already have happened. I do perceive that Jimmy Butler is going to play, although doubtful. You get that guy on the court to warm up and ask him how he's feeling. That that's, He's cleared. He's medically cleared. And they're, it, they're just going to ask Jimmy if he feels ready or not when he gets on the court tonight. When this dude steps on the court, you think Jimmy Butler is going to look at Tom Thibodeau in the face and tell him he's not playing? Jimmy is a warrior. And this guy, if he gets a chance to play and push his team to the playoffs, he will do so. And honestly, this is where I'm going to go into my next part of my Timberwolves segment and my pitch to tank and not make the playoffs this year. I just don't see... Any reason why we should go to the playoffs? Yes, we we could potentially beat any team in round one. I agree. What's the point? I I understand the playoff experience and you can't replicate that, but this team is playing horrendous basketball. They don't have a coach that can coach them. So why even go to learn playoff experience when their coach has already ran them all into the ground? None of them want to play basketball anymore. They're already all dead. They're already all hurt. First of all, let's just get healthy. Get ready for next season. Get that draft pick back from Atlanta. I have two solid draft picks in the 13 to 20 range, which are equivalent to picks in the 8 to 15 range in any other draft. And let's have two nice, solid rookie contracts on the roster next year. Replace that Cole Aldridge contract with a rookie contract. Replace some of these big contracts with rookie contracts so we do have all the money in the world to sign Jimmy, Cat, and et cetera going forward. That's just my idea. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. But I wanted to get that out there. I do believe the Minnesota Timberwolves should just tank for the rest of the season, call it in, let Patton get some minutes, let Emil Jefferson get some minutes, Anthony Brown, any of these guys that are just got called up. I mean, Teague's questionable for tonight. Rose is questionable for tonight. Jimmy Butler's questionable for tonight. These guys are all banked up. And if you guys are that delusional that you think this team can legitimately compete with teams in the playoffs, you guys are crazy because they can score with anyone. But this team defensively is so pathetic so pathetic that we have no shot against any team in these playoffs. The Rockets will beat us by a, if we play a four game series, if we play the Rockets and we we will I promise you, we will get swept in four and I bet you the point differential in those four games will be over 100 points. Meaning we will get beat by 20 over 20, it's going to be absurd. They're going to completely mop the floor of us and I really hope as Timberwolves fans, I know you guys want to get in there so badly, but guys, I really don't feel like watching this team get walked over in the playoffs and I mean, I understand the experience experience of it but at the end of the day we're getting an additional draft pick and an additional rookie contract going forward and i really think that's the best fit for this team a couple other things i want to talk about with the timberwolves are tom thibodeau after this week i'm sure everyone is well aware and feeling the same way he has to go i recorded a little timberwolves rant post game earlier this week did not release it it was quite out there but it is absolutely, absolutely absurd, guys. This guy is a horrendous basketball coach now. I don't know what anyone, anyone sees in him anymore. He, he, our offense, I could get our offense to score 110 points a game. No questions asked. And I don't care 
how much you guys are going to laugh at that. I could easily get this team to score 110 points a game. They're NBA players. They do it themselves. It's A lot of it's isolation basketball anyways, the way the Timberwolves run their offense. Uh, I mean, granted, we try to run pick and roll, but it oftentimes fails. I mean, it's absolutely absurd, some of the things that have happened recently. Against Utah, Ricky Rubio hitting more threes, making more threes in the first half than Carl Anthony Town had shot attempts. Guys, this is it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And the disconnect between Thibodeau and his players is so obvious. And the fact that the people it, it, I just I've seen multiple local podcasts and, and people who I respect greatly try to defend this guy and I have no idea how it can even the thought process in your can even go through your head to try to defend this dude at, at this point anymore. He is a bad NBA coach and I think we need to do everything we can to get him out of Minnesota. The, the biggest concern is his contract. Ultimately, I mean, five years, $40 million, $8 million a year, guys. This is a classic Minnesota sports move, bringing in a, a coach who's going to save this team and bring it to the future, and little do we know, he's a terrible coach, and we're locked into him for five years. There is no owner or front office in the entire NBA that would buy out that contract, no matter how bad of a job he was doing. It would... It wouldn't ruin the franchise, but it would put the franchise in a very sticky place going forward financially if they were to buy out that contract. Not to mention Scott Layden, who is not the problem, but Scott Layden also makes 2 to $3 million a year. At the end of the day, that what really bothers me the most is that Tom Thibodeau is out here ruining young players' NBA careers, and he's still getting paid just as much as all of them. It's absurd. It is absurd. He tore Zach Levine's ACL. He tore Derrick Rose's ACL twice by overplaying him. He tore Jimmy Butler's meniscus. I know some of these are fluke accidents, guys, but it doesn't just happen. I mean, these guys are worn down, worn down. The Wolves don't even look like they want anything to do with playing basketball. I'm really curious to see how they come out tonight against Denver after some rest, but I'm I'm not optimistic going into the playoffs, guys, and it's hard to be optimistic right now with this guy leading our, our, our front office and our whole... He is he runs everything, guys, and I understand we would not get Jimmy if it weren't for Tom. But screw it. At this point, give me Sam Mitchell and give me Zach Levine and Chris Dunback, and I would much rather be in that situation than with Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler because it has been absolutely atrocious. I think that defensively, too, for him being such a defensive mastermind, the fact that he could not... I mean... Guys, I understand it's not all the coaching the players got to play, too, but the fact that you haven't been able to mold... Freak young athletes into anything defensively just shows you are not a defensive guru. You're not a defensive anything. You're not. You're really not. I mean, this guy has been surrounded with excellent coaches his entire career, and now it's time to start asking. Maybe, maybe Tom Thibodeau was the reason that a lot of these teams, the Bulls, never got over the hump. I wonder why. The Timberwolves. I could. I don't think the Timberwolves will ever, ever get over that hump as long as Tom Thibodeau is running this place and I and I, I I I'm sorry to be so outspoken about anti Tom Thibodeau but this it's gotten so old and it's gotten to a point where it's there is no consistency whatsoever coming with the Timberwolves play there's there's no consistency anywhere in in the organization and it's really it's really bothersome as a fan and especially as someone who who follows it to the extent that I do it just Tom Thibodeau needs to take a good large look in the mirror because at the end of the day, the thing that bothers me most about him is not once has he ever mentioned him or his coaching or his staff 
Every time he gets in front of a mic on the press conference, it's always his players and their effort and everything they do. Time to take a good, hard, cold look in the mirror, Tom, and realize maybe maybe you're not cut out for this job, let alone coaching in general. Because all you do is yell nonsense on the sideline. Everyone in the arena can't stand you. Everyone in the whole entire Twitter world can't stand you. I mean, I hate to be so passionate about this rant, guys, but it is absolutely absurd. Like I've said for like four times now, it's like he's literally... He sits on the sideline and talks as much nonsense as I am right now, just spewing crap. And how do you think a full-grown man, a full-grown adult who's perfected and worked his whole life on his craft is going to respond to that? Not, not positively. I, I just can't imagine that would rub me the right way, especially as a guy. I mean, he's making the same amount of money as these guys that are putting in twice, three times, four times, five times the amount of physical work and mental work. And, and, and I obviously I can't. I don't know how the exactly how the players feel about this situation, but you can just tell from watching the disconnect between him and their communication and everything they do. And it, it is it's very concerning for me going forward. Moving on from that, try to get a little more positive here in the podcast. I do want to give out one pitch I have for you guys. There's been a ton of talk about Kawhi Leonard being traded, Kawhi Leonard being traded this offseason. And I have never once seen anyone mention the Minnesota Timberwolves in here is my pitch of why the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to trade and land Kawhi Leonard this offseason. And and first things first, let's start with the package. Kawhi Leonard, I would request Patty Mills, but good luck getting him. Kawhi Leonard for Tyus Jones, Andrew Wiggins, Justin Patton, and a first-round draft pick. That is the best offer. I shouldn't say the best, most likely the best offer the Spurs will receive. You have a, a, a good young talent locked up long-term, whether I think he's good or not. The consensus around the NBA is that Andrew Wiggins is an extremely uber-talented player. And I guarantee you Popovich, I bet you Popovich is a good enough coach to mold him into something phenomenal, but Popovich is definitely arrogant enough to believe he can. And that's the first part of our selling point. Patton's young. Same with Tyus. Both guys are potential starters in the NBA. Worst case, solid bench players. Uh, this could uh, honestly be a, a deal that San Antonio at least listens to. And especially with the relationship with Scott Layden, in his past there, I think it's something that is definitely a possibility, and I don't want to put it in your ears like, oh, I've heard this, I've heard this from some so-and-so. I haven't heard anything, guys. This is me just purely speculating. But I do want to bring some positivity in this podcast. Imagine a lineup with Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague defensively. This would be a fun, fun team. I mean, I, granted, most likely not going to happen, but it, it, just throwing the idea out, it's fun to think about going into the offseason, and my mind is already kind of shifting into offseason mode with the Timberwolves, as bad as that sounds, but I do want to see them. If they make the playoffs, I will obviously be excited. Long-term future of the franchise, I do believe it's best to tank this year, and I know I will get some heat for that, but so be it. I, I do think we need to try to figure out a way to bring in another coach and agree to terms of a buyout with Tom instead of buying out his entire contract, but good luck getting him to agree to terms on that. It would be a, a difficult task, but at the end of the day, I look forward to the Timberwolves' last four games of the season. It should be some, some hopefully some fun, exciting basketball to watch. Hopefully they can step it up. The last news and note I did want to say about the Timberwolves is if Jimmy does get cleared tonight and he does play, Tom Thibodeau did say expect him to start and receive similar to normal minutes. That is the most Tom Thibodeau thing I've ever heard. Jimmy will come back tonight most likely and probably re-injure that knee. I, I hate the jinxes and I hate to be so negative, guys, but I I just hope you can understand how bad of a job Tom Thibodeau is doing. It's It's gotten to the point, and I just, like I said, I do not understand how public Minnesota personalities can back this guy at all. I mean, granted, the minority of 
it's minority that do support Tom, but those minority, I just don't, I do not understand it. Moving on to our Q&A, got four questions for you guys, going to touch base on them briefly, try to answer some of the questions that were sent into the page. I will start with the question I received on my Facebook page, will the recent trend in injuries damn the Timberwolves and Wild? Timberwolves, most definitely. As long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach, like I said, you guys just heard my spirited rant. As long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach, injuries will continue to damn this team, especially going into the playoffs. I mean, we're, we have three players questionable with four games left in the season. That just shows you how banged up we really are. And if anyone thinks we can hang with these teams, Steph Curry or not, whoever I, I've tweeted before, I think we can hang with the Golden State if Steph Curry's out. I just don't see it anymore. The way they've been playing basketball recently, their game against Memphis, their game against Utah, they've just been playing some brutal basketball. And granted, Jimmy Butler coming back is a huge addition, but I just don't see the point in rushing him back to play two or three games or et cetera. However many we do end up playing, I just don't see the point. I'd rather just rest him up, get that draft pick back from Atlanta for pain, and going into next season with a solid, solid roster. Um, Wild-wise, obviously the suitor injury is a tragic thing, but... Carson Soucy, I think, is going to help this team a lot in the playoffs. I mean, he played some... The minutes he played in the past few games have just been absolutely excellent. I mean, he looks like a a seasoned vet out there playing defense, and it's awesome to see. I'm uh, I'm really happy for him. I hope he he continues to take the most out of this opportunity. Suter is irreplaceable. But if a guy like Soucy can continue to step up, Spurgeon comes back healthy, and Dumbo continues to play well, I can see the Wild possibly... Given Winnipeg a run for their money, it's going to be difficult. Wild injury-wise, Suter injury was pretty fluky. Hamstrings with Spurgeon, that it, unfortunately it happens in sports. Hammies, I do think the Timberwolves injuries are more due to minutes and playing time rather than just fluke situations. Continuing with the Wild, where do the Wild have to finish in the playoffs to be considered a successful season? That is coming from my cousin Troy. Um, Troy, I personally am probably not the right person to ask for this. I mean, everyone in Minnesota has a different opinion on successful season. Uh, I think if the Wild can beat Winnipeg in the first round, that would be successful. I mean, just getting there anymore for the Wild after six straight appearances is, is not a success anymore. We need to start to win games and excel in the playoffs. Granted, Winnipeg's a good team, but if we lose and get bounced by Winnipeg in the first round, I would not call this season a success necessarily I wouldn't call it an epic failure or a failure by any means whatsoever either I just I, I do think that the wild especially here in Minnesota we're just sick of the I mean the playoffs are all wonderful playoff hockey is awesome the XL is incredible during playoff hockey I just I can't emphasize enough this is the state of hockey guys we need to bring a championship home here this is this is where hockey breeds this is the breeding ground for hockey and this is we're so passionate about here in Minnesota I'm sure the whole state of Minnesota feels the same way as I do Let's get that title. I don't think this is the year to do so. Crazy Erickson Act. There's been some guys playing some good hockey for the Wild. And there's also been some guys playing some terrible hockey too. Curious to see. Playoff hockey is a whole different beast. So I'm really curious to see how they respond when it comes to playoff time. I'm not going to look into this California road trip too heavily at all with a few guys making their debut and whatnot. They're packing it in for the season, getting healthy. I do, like I said before, I have confidence in Spurgeon and his ability to come back. Hamstrings. My only concern is hamstrings are very easy to re-injure I am confident in Spurgeon coming back that he will be 100% and ready to go and we will have the same first line Jared Spurgeon back on the team another question I was asked is this what to expect from Wiggins moving forward or is this season kind of fluky 
This is fully, fully what to expect from Andrew Wiggins going forward with Tom Thibodeau as the coach. I'm guessing Andrew regrets signing that max contract heavily, knowing that Tom will be in his ear for the next three to four years. Wiggins, his developmental process has really been has been confusing and questioning. I think a lot of it's mental, to answer your question, and there there really isn't an answer to that because Andrew could go this offseason and come back a whole new player. We we really don't know. I, I unfortunately I hate to give a wishy-washy answer like that, but from my perspective, yes, this is what to expect from Wiggins moving forward. Was this a fluke? Let's hope not. But the numbers are down in every aspect. Um, obviously, with the new team. You'd expect that. I, I believe the effort is also down in just about every aspect, defensively, offensively as well, and that's my biggest concern going forward. Last but not least, Uncle Brett coming in with a question. Who will be the new slot corner for the Minnesota Vikings? Will we draft a corner? Brett, I do think we will address the secondary position in the NFL draft. Look for the Vikings to do so in rounds three through six like they generally do. I would find it highly unlikely that they go with a defensive back in round one or two, unless they find that perfect guy, the perfect fit. But a few of those guys in round one, I will mention next week on my draft preview. At the end of the day, I really think the Vikings are going to address the position through the free agency market. Dominique Rogers Cromartie is a guy I would keep an eye on. Brett, I uh, I really think he will end up in a Vikings uniform. He He's familiar with the slot position. The Vikings are not going to leave their corner position as it currently stands going into the season. I promise you that much. I will do my best to keep an eye out for any other names that come up in the free agency market for that slot corner back position. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode of Hoagie's Huddle. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this. It means a lot, especially when there is so many people in the sports journalism industry. I appreciate you choosing me and supporting this podcast. It means the world to me. I would love to hear from you guys on Twitter, get more interactive, answer more of your guys' questions going into next week. I try to put out a poll every other day or so to try to get some interaction with you guys, some feedback, and see what you're thinking. I am extremely thankful for the loyal listeners that have continued to come back. Hope you guys have a great weekend.